0: I hate when I spend my hard-earned money on a product and they just like reply with a canned response. And I say this all the time, like the bar is so low. Massive legacy brands will just send this like janky four-word response to like you crying your heart out because it's just a machine. D2C is great because you're you're talking directly to your customers. and D2C, we can really, really harness every single part of the experience. From the ad that they find us to, to the site they go on, to the shipping and delivery, to the unboxing, to the support. I think it's so much harder to create a brand evangelist from a can on the shelf.
1: I'm super excited to welcome our second guest on the show. Eli, I'm not sure if you know, but you're actually the second person I'm interviewing for my new podcast.
0: That's super exciting. I'm so thankful you, you chose me and excited to be here.
1: I mean, you've always been a very, you've been so giving on Twitter. You've always been so giving, you talk a lot about what you guys do. And naturally I want to pick your brain more on the show. And for this show, the premise is, I'm not sure if you know, you read too much about it is I really want to break down how operators think, um, because we, we do so much, but very little. Do we talk about like exactly the step-by-step that we do to get to those steps and I did a little digging in, even a little shopping around Target and I saw you guys were in Target. And I naturally wanna ask you first things first about Target. But before I get deeper into that, let me do a little introduction. Um, Eli Wis is the Director of Retention and CX. And CX refers to customer experience. And this is really a rare title because usually those are two separate or a lot of companies don't really do those two things together can you talk a little more about why this role is so important to have together
0: yeah no i appreciate your kind words and and something that's interesting about twitter is i i've never been on twitter since 2011 never spoken about cx until two years ago and i i'm not a marketer and i'm not a sales guy i'm just so obsessed with with the customer and and the experience and it's been so incredible to be able to share this stuff and and for people to resonate with it and, and be excited about it. And, and super thankful for the small audience I've, I've put together on there. Um, when I think about the role, you know, I've been a generalist most of my career, um, got into CPG in the luggage space, spent a couple of years there and, and hopped into food and beverage. And Customer experience, customer service, or customer support, whatever you call it, has always been super underutilized, in my opinion. Like, there's the Zappos and the Chewies that have made it, like, it's their business, it's their motto. But most smaller businesses just immediately outsource it and don't put a lot of attention on it. And A, you're getting all these customers providing feedback and, and it never gets to you. And B... It's, it's like we end up creating the second role, which is retention, which is effectively like how do we win people back after they leave. But in theory, there's not enough effort. There's so much effort on the front end in terms of bringing people in. There's so much effort on the back end once they leave. But when they're here, there's so little focus on how to keep them engaged and excited and 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 feeling like they're continuously winning by sticking with your brand. And that was my pitch when I chatted with Ollipop. It was like, this is a CX role and and I'm obsessed with CX. But... I think that so much of CX um, l- feeds into retention. It's like if we deliver the best subscription experience, create a great loyalty experience, create a g- great lifecycle campaign, and what you know flows and all that fun stuff. It's like so much of it is connected in a perfect world. Um, and yeah, started there a year, a year and eight months ago, and it's been it's been a wild ride. But um, learning new things every day, which is my favorite part.
1: Yeah, I love that part where you mentioned how important and integrated these two things are together. Because, you know, I've been in the space for a while now too, and I've definitely observed that not many people think about customer experience um, because it's always an afterthought. It's They bought something already, you know, we'll, we'll take care of that later. We'll outsource it to someone else um, without understanding that customer experience It's really the front line of your business. These are people who are telling you what's broken and what's working and why they love you. And all these can be translated to the front end on acquiring more customers just like them. But sadly, not many people think about that. I wanna really dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, But first, I'm just curious because I just got a fresh pack of Alipop from Target, so that's on my mind. (laughs) It took you guys a while to get into Target after being in so many other stores. Was there a reason why you guys did this or was it just like the sequence of the event? Like, it, was it a strategy on doing target later on? What what was it that led you to, you know, place these retail in a step-by-step process?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. and I really appreciate it. I, I think it's the important thing about this space is that soda is a, a multi-billion dollar industry and us is a better for you beverage and something that's actually good for you to drink. It's, it's, it's not that simple to get to consumers in the way we anticipated to, and it's. It's a slow and, and thorough process. And essentially, the, the more we grow, the more of that kind of snowballs into. You know, we started in the very natural channel, and now we're crushing it in, in spaces like Kroger, and we're about to enter Publix, and we're going to the shop rights. But we started as like an Erewhon brand that went into a Whole Foods brand that went to Sprouts. And essentially, what you see in the beverage space is a lot of brands, you know, they get rolling on this excitement, and they take a million points of distribution, and all of a sudden, they're in tens of thousands of stores. and basically, stores are looking for velocity stories. And they're looking for like, Hey, you came into this store, your unit rate of sale was wild. And and that's the story you tell to, to, to other stores. So for us, it's like brands don't realize that everything is very easily accessible on Spins or Nielsen. And we can see what every brand is doing the same way Whole Foods can see that too. And Sprouts can see that too. So for us, it was about creating this wildly successful story in the coastal cities and then slowly getting to the rest of the country so that when we launch in Target... And you know, now that we're in all 2000-ish stores, the people in Alabama and, and Illinois and Minnesota know about us just as much as you know the people in LA or New York. And, and the other part of that is the omni-channel part, right? It's like by being D2C and having a D2C business that's like 30-40% of our business, we've already been sampling olipop to customers across the country so we have we've we've had a big group of customers in in texas before we launched any anything in retail we were selling through GoPuff in philly before we launched in most retail in philly so being able to sample and get into these places and then launch in retail is just this this perfect combination of of magic and i think you'll see a lot of other pretty large um stores that you wouldn't expect to see us in throughout 22 like the 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 stores that are in middle America, um, where generally people wouldn't be looking for a product like this, but it, it's the trend that we're seeing is people are looking for a product that's that's not terrible and, and something that tastes very good and is actually good for you is, is, is an incredible plus.
1: It is so good. <laughs> and it's very hard for me to go out online and buy beverages because I grew up just thinking I can go to a store and grab a case of whatever. Um, and as i get older i'm i become more conscious of what i put in my body and you know most people don't think about that until later on when they're like oh wow i'm definitely seeing a difference with what i put in my body now right? so no i totally get it but what fascinated me the most about uh your strategy was the middle america part because for a lot of ddc brands, they never really think about that they're like they're they're hitting the big cities they never think about how much concentrate of customers that are willing to buy their products are in those areas and they never really go after them but you guys intentionally made this entire roadmap just so that you can sell out in places that people don't even think about um and and i thought that was so interesting um, even like the mass distribution strategy, most people were like, let's just spray and pray. Let's just hit as many stores as we can. And then they don't sell out and then stores are rotating them out. Cause they're like, we don't have the velocity. It's, it's not good to have yourself sitting on our shelves. So the fact that you guys thought that through was so, so fascinating, but where did you learn that? <laughs> like, was there something that you looked at as like, oh, another brand did this and then they fell. We should definitely avoid that. Like, what was it that sparked this idea?
0: I mean, more broadly, we're looking at the brands like Halo Top um, and Impossible. Brands like that that have taken this like, you think about ice cream, it's super indulgent, it's super nostalgic, it's not always great for you. And, and you know, those are brands that have figured out how to get to, into mass in a large way. Um, less, so, less so looking at the coastal brands that have, you know, really popped off at an Erwan because soda is, is enjoyed everywhere. It's, it's like 96% of, of the US. It's it's penetrated in, in every market in every household and it, it brings people together and it brings happiness and enjoyment and it shouldn't only be for, for coastal cities. And, and as we grow and as we unlock distribution and we unlock volume, you know, our goal, and we've lowered the prices on D 2 C. Um, and we intend to continue lowering prices as we continue to grow because the goal is to get this everywhere and be wildly accessible. And, and obviously, you know, the ingredients that we have in this product, like slippery elm bark and kudzu root and cassava fiber, all these things are more expensive than phosphoric acid and carbonated water. But as we continue to kind of spread our wings and, and go across the country and bring this beverage to more people, we anticipate you know kind of lowering the prices and becoming as accessible as we can.
1: Absolutely, it's always about leveraging the volume that you get in order to lower DDC prices. That's what a lot of people don't understand. I actually had a conversation with uh, another founder last night. I was hosting this dinner. Um, in Newport and uh, they were they're like I just hate how everyone's in DDC are so against retail and I'm like right like why are they so against retail like they don't understand retail actually gives them the leverage to do better in DDC because when you can get POs for you know two three million dollars you can go that, go use that, and go to your supplier and be like, "Hey, I want to negotiate better prices," and translate that back into the DDC. But over the years, I've met so many people who are like, "DDC is the way," and I'm never stepping foot into a Whole Foods or a Target. And I'm like, that's so close-minded. You know, it's it's not the only way. Like, you're, there's not like DDC maximus. Like, you don't have to only be one channel, right? Like, it, but I feel like so many people just miss that point. It's like. If you're able to get leverage wherever, take it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's super interesting because you think about the fact that D2C is great because you're you're talking directly to your customers. And whereas in retail we're a can on the shelf, in D2C, we can really, really harness every single part of the experience. Like we can from the ad that they find us to, to the site they go on, to the shipping and delivery, to the unboxing, to the support, and we can really create like I think it's so much harder to create a brand evangelist from A can on the shelf but it's it's somewhat simple to do that when people reach out about an issue they had and i think that's like the exciting part is that flywheel for us it's like we can get these people in on let's say they use d2c to sample or they like you're saying some people buy it at whole foods and they're like i'd love if i can get a 12 pack without thinking about it they sign up to a subscription what does that look like and getting these like i think word of mouth is, is so 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 underutilized um in d2c broadly it's like we're so focused on paid acquisition and, and firing on all cylinders. but then when you think about it, it's like if a cu- if a customer loves your product, like how can you give them the ammunition to really share it? And then something i was I was talking about earlier with you and we were chatting about on Twitter is like there's so much of this like focus on cpas and 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 acquisition, but referrals is so often slept on right? It's like brands will give you ten percent off and it's like that's the same offer that you have on your sign up for your email. and customers actually- are like, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I want to dive deeper into that because I've always been a big proponent of referral business. We, you know, on, on our end, dough lashes, we still have very affordable product We're, we're twelve 1250 a pop. Um, and so like we can't compete on Facebook with brands who are doing 40 bucks CPA and be okay with it. Like 40 bucks is our entire OV, Right. So we've been able to survive over the past two years purely because we have a really good word of mouth program and we incentivize people for that. And seeing you tweet about that just makes me feel so much better comes, cause I'm like, no one really talks about the referrals. Like get your customers who love your product. And if you're making good products, they, you should have a lot of those to to bring more people in. And so we recently started like jacking up our referral program to give out like free pair of lashes. If you refer your friends and you can give your friend 10 bucks when they sign up, that's still half of our CPA on Facebook. Like that is, but that's such a big offer compared to what everyone else is doing. Like. Everyone's like, give your friends this referral link that you can copy and paste and send in a group chat and you'll maybe get 10% off if they, if they buy and there There's no way you're going to get me to do that for, for any product. And I want to hear a little bit more about what you guys are doing on Olipop to, to have a very competitive referral program.
0: Yeah. No, I I think it's spot on. And it's something that I think as, you know, as, as CPAs have continued to rise across the board in the last couple of years, like it's, it's kind of forcing marketers to think about this stuff very differently. Um, and you're seeing influencer as well like influencer has been one thing and it's switched into something else now people are like I'll just give influencers a cost per acquisition instead of giving them a lump sum of 10k I'll give them twenty dollars for every order they bring in and it's still cheaper than what I'm paying on Facebook so I think this like it's a squeeze that's forcing marketers to think differently which is super exciting on referral again like we were like any other brand that started off doing ten percent off and until we had a conversation a couple of months ago and we're like this is chaos like we're spending so much money on on facebook and and these customers are generally not super high ltv they're not sticking around very long and people that are coming from word of mouth are so much more um excited to be here because they heard about it from their friend those are our ultimate ltv customers and essentially we've we've switched from like 10% to $5 and then we started testing $10 and 15 and 20 and we're seeing that customers are so excited and it's still pretty pretty solid compared to what we're paying with facebook ads so Come February, we we anticipate on switching the whole game into into more like fifteen or you know fifteen or twenty dollars per referral, and, and thinking about what that looks like um, long term, and making sure it's easily stackable. Like if you bring three friends in, you deserve. Them at least a free case, right? So let's think about it that way, instead of the 10% off, with a 10% off, it's never stackable. So now I have like 7-10% off coupons, that I have no way to use it for you think about subscription, unless you have a unified checkout, it's impossible to use that code for subscription. So your subscribers are your best LTV customers, and they have no way to use referral in a cohesive way. So, you know, you're seeing new tools that are giving people the ability to do that. But I think thinking about subscribers like how can we leverage these massive powerhouses they love our brand enough to subscribe to it every single month how can we give them the ability to share it and something we've done as well is like we've given subscribers we've done this twice in the last couple of weeks we've sent subscribers like here gift a case for free to whoever you want we've sent out hundreds of cases and they just give it to whoever they'd like and if somebody subscribes for 10 times I'm pretty sure that they'll do a better job selling the product than our Facebook ad will. And that's kind of the way we're thinking about both, both on the referral and on the just gifting. It's like, these are, these are our super fans. Like, let's give them the ammo to sample it and give it out to friends. And, and that's the way we've been, we've been thinking about it.
1: Yeah, being more generous with your product is such <laughs> an uh, like a underplay strategy because, you know, from a product standpoint, we have our margins. We, we know how much they cost. You can, you can give that out. Like you can give that out as your CPA because for the consumer, they're, they're, they're seeing that from like the surface value for how that, how much that product costs. But for you, you know, you, you can afford to do that. But some brands are just, you know, they're so stuck in their ways of like, I, I will live and die by Facebook and I will not give the stuff out for free without realizing that if you nurture the right type of customers, that is probably the best way for you to get really quality customers. And like you said, like the LTV play, the type of customer that you bring in is so important too, because not all customers are created equally. Right. And that's something that I realized is that people that come in from referrals um, definitely have a lot long-term value. And sometimes they even buy a little bit more because their friends are recommending them three, four products to buy. Um, I'm not sure about how you guys are, but like because we have so many different varieties at lower price points, they're buying a lot more in their cart compared to someone who we just get on Facebook who are selling one single product because our Facebook ads only sells one product, right? So referral program is such an underplayed strategy that I definitely think a lot of people need to take on too. I also want to talk a little more about customer experience as a channel because that's something that I've been screaming on the top of my lung for the past two years is customer support is actually one of a marketing channel that no one else is using. And it's so good to hear that you're also saying the same thing too. I want to hear a little bit more about like what Olipop pop is doing on your end in, in order to make a channel that's traditionally not making money into a money-making machine.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And it's, it's honestly people like, like like you and I that continuously champion this channel that'll turn it into something special. When I started in 2016, it was like the most underpaid job, the most underutilized part of the company. And it was just like this thankless job that every single morning you came in with a fire extinguisher and you went at bat for your company and nobody appreciated it. And nobody was recognized. And now we're, we're seeing that change, right? Like we're seeing this shift of, of people that are hired in this role are, are very strategic and very smart and very and very ambitious. And you're seeing these people change companies. And, and for us, it's like we're, we're hiring people that are really, really, really ambitious and passionate about making things right, less so about like, I'm just looking for an entry-level job. CX is not an entry-level position by any means. And it's 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 hard, right? If you're really good at it, it means you're super empathetic. And that hurts when fedex is screwing up my stuff and i can't get it to you in time like that sucks and thinking of creative out of the box ways to both read between the lines and to deliver a great experience is what customers stick around for and i think for us it's been like those experiences that we've created and we've had you know customers that have reached out about a flooding in their area and we sent them dinner and and you know people that have reached out about getting olipop late for their for their wedding it got there the same day of their wedding when it was supposed to get there a couple of days early we found their wedding registry and sent them gifts. It's like, you don't get that unless you hire very ambitious, incredible people that are really passionate about that. And then getting out of their way and, and giving them, you know, the empowerment to, to go crazy with. And for us, it's like, if it's under 50 to $100 to make somebody's day, and you're doing it a couple of times a week, don't even ask me about it. Just tell me after. And I think that's like been incredible for us. It's like an organic kind of word of mouth on, on steroids. It's like getting these customers that have like a not such great experience with us to be blown away is incredible and the other side to that is like we're we're very often focused on like how can I make great experiences And, and founders ask me this pretty often like how do I turn this into the most incredible thing ever and the first question I ask is like I'd love to see your complaints because before you create those peaks you have to first fill the valleys right understand like where am I where am I messing up and you'll you'll often see like brands that are like sending this janky box and it gets the customers not looking at all like the website and they're like, oh, how can I create fancy experiences? And that's not your job right now. Your job is to make sure it's it's great as the status quo. And for us, that's been like my biggest passion is like, let's figure out the people that don't like... This is a soda, right? It's like every everyone's taste preferences vary. We don't all like the same foods, the same way. We don't all like the same drinks. So like when people say like, Olipop tastes like shit, you'll find me on Twitter hopping back in the replies and being like, so sorry, you didn't love this. Like, what's your order number? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a full refund or like text me your address and I'll send you free can coupons to try a different flavor. So if people don't love the product that they had or the experience, like at least they'll love the experience with us. And that's like really the goal for us is like it's it's never going to be something that every single human being likes, but there might be a flavor you like more. And if not, you're going to get a full refund. So you still tell people like, hey, I didn't love this product, but if you're interested in the soda that's not terrible for you and it's actually good for you, you just check them out because their CX is incredible. And that's like oh, my, yeah. my vision there.
1: I've always told people, um, even like my team, because I, I built my own customer support team. And the thing that I always tell them is that we will go above and beyond because even if they don't like our product, which is totally fine, makeup, it's a lot of preference too. Sometimes it's just not the right product too. And it's fine. We're not going to be upset that they're, that they don't like our stuff, but maybe they'll like our brand enough that maybe their friends may like it and they could push that for them. And so turning that into a referral machine by not trying to, but just being mm-hmm. a nice person, is really the key here too. And, and like you said, like there's so much more that can come out of a channel that comes with a lot of human touches because you could do so, so much more that is not robotic or, you know, falling systems. You can build real relationships. Uh, funny enough, we, our, our customer support kind of felt like we're texting, like texting friends now. We have people coming to us for relationship advice because um, <laughs> um, we, we, we use Postgrip and so we text our customers and our, our tone has never been salesy. We've always been like, the way that we branded ourselves is like the big sister type of brand. We're, we're trying to bring an experience that's very intimidating, putting something on your eyes and 30% of our customers are new. They've never worn lashes in the past. So we're like, we will hold your hands through this experience. We create this experience and translate it to every other touch point is that we hear them out, we hear their complaints, we ask them about their days and it's very tedious, don't get me wrong. This is not scalable, but we know that we built a very solid base of people who really like us for doing that and they are our biggest champions. Like I I actually go through our Twitter mentions and I read through what people say and they will screen cap our replies to them. And that just makes me so happy because that's just that's just like another person that we have built into what we call like really loyal um, customers. And that's not something that's, you can't really do that in large numbers, but the fact that you can build a base like that is so, so important for a s- small company like ours. And another thing that we also do for our customer support is, you know, just thinking about like the economics of it too. asking for returns and asking them to send stuff back to you. A lot of companies uh, really needs to have a better return policies and think about the economics of returns because returns are really expensive. It's actually worth it for you to just let them keep the stuff and give them give them credits back from the store or give them like a gift card, give them like another replacements. But at some point, have you guys realized that it's better to just let them keep the product?
0: Yeah, we don't we don't take returns, period. Um, yeah. We we started not taking returns because it was a beverage and, and COVID, and and it got to a point where we realized it's it's a heavy product. It costs us a lot of money to ship. And the bottom line is like like you mentioned with 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 your space as well. It's like just because it doesn't work for you, it still might work for somebody else, and we can gain a new customer. So that's but what we, we do is like right? gift it. Yeah. Drop it off at a, at a, at a food shelter. If you don't have anyone to give it to like gift it to whoever. And, and it's probably like, we've probably brought in quite a bunch of customers from people that didn't like Olipop and gifted it to a friend.
1: Right. That's one point that I wanted to like squeeze out of from talking about customer experience is that (laughs) there's so much that can come out of this whole channel because when people think about customer support, they're like, yeah, we use gorgeous and we reply to tickets. And then, yeah, we do some automation. So I'm like, no, there's so, so much more that can come out of it. And sometimes it's not by design. It's just literally by being a good brand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Being a person versus a machine is wild. And and if you look at large brands, like I'm a difficult customer. Um, and that's how I got into this <laughs> space. Cause I'm like, I hate it. I hate when I spend my hard earned money on a product and they just like mm-hmm. reply with a canned response. And the bar is so low. And I say this all the time, like the bar is so low, Massive legacy brands will just send this like janky four word response to like you crying your heart out because it's just a machine. And being a person behind that is, is really like you think about a brand and you think about the person behind the brand. And so many people are focused on telling a founder story. And sometimes you can tell a founder story. And then when they buy a product and don't like it, where's the founder then? Right. So it's like being a person. And being a human on the other side of the line is is so powerful. It's like, even if we can't refund you and we can't reship it and we can't resolve it, you'll know that we did the best we can. You'll know it's Eli. It's not, it's not Olipop. Like, it's not this massive machine. It's it's me. It's a person. And that's like, everyone on my team is, is a person and they're coming here every single morning to kick ass and, and provide great experiences. And, and customers feel that. Like, they feel it. That. Our ratings across the board are super high because people, even if the product got there and it was like banged up in the truck from UPS, like they know that we have their back. They know we'll replace it. They know we can refund it. Like they know that we put our we put our money where our mouth is and, and do the best we can. And it's honestly, like you said, it's it's the backbone of a brand. It's like it's the it's the emotion behind the brand. That's it's not. It could be a founder story, but it's not just a founder story. It's it's the humans that are running the operation and it what it's what makes people love Doe and it's what makes people love Olipop. It's like they love that they're taken care of and that they feel the humanness behind it. And that's that's the future of CX. Like it the future is you choose a brand that has your back and it's like as much as we can take a shit on Amazon, it's like if you have an issue, they are the best customer service in the game. Like they will always have your back and it's what makes people choose. The purchase things from brands. They're like, I know that if I spend the money, I'd rather go to Zappos and spend the extra four dollars and then go to some janky website and get the same pair of shoes. And if it doesn't fit, I have to pay for the return.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason why I really want to get you on the show was <clears throat> I remember like over a year ago I bought something from Ollie Popper, less than a year ago, and I texted I remember that. (laughs) And you texted back. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't happen. That doesn't, because I'm like, because I know you from Twitter. So the fact that you texted me back and I didn't even tell you, hey, I'm about to text you. Like you are just doing your job. You're in it. You're talking to customers. And I just so happened to be one of those those customers that just so happened to be mutuals with you on Twitter. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know my number. You didn't have my number. And that was really like what made me really respect the work that you guys do over at Olipop and really make me want to like talk to you about this. It's really just felt like catching up, but, um, I know we're at time now and I really appreciate you coming on. I'm thank a you, fan, um, of Olipop and appreciate all the great work that you guys are doing. Is there anything exciting that you want the viewers to look out for? Um, you know, maybe more stores you guys are coming in or anything that you just want to leak a little bit. Don't, yeah, don't, tell, I mean, don't tell anyone else I asked
0: them <laughs> to do this. <laughs> no, I mean, this is this is definitely going to be a leak. And, and two things, the, the non-leak leak is that we just launched in every single Target store nationwide. But the, the exciting thing that we haven't shared anywhere is that 2022 is going to be a, a monster year of releases. So stay tuned. There'll be a bunch of new flavors, some limited, some full full launch flavors. But 22 is going to be... Is going to be a banger of a year, and we we are so excited to kind of like we figured out our kind of classics and our fruities, and and this year it's just going to be a bunch of a bunch of new stuff and more flavors. Let's yeah, go! we're we super excited.
1: Well, thank you, Eli, for coming on. Um, I'll see you around, and hopefully, I can visit you next time. Of anymore.
0: course. Thanks, Jason.
1: You just heard an episode of the Building Blocks podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe below to keep hearing conversations that I have with brilliant marketers, founders, and innovators on how they built their best ideas. Now, if you want to learn how you can turn your best ideas and build something massive out of it, visit my website, bbclass.co, or follow my Twitter at agro.